Do we finally have an answer to the million dollar question? You are locked on Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen on this turkey day. And every day we're free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel. Follow it to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. Today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. My name is Alex Frank, your host each and every day, former sports director of Bearcast Media, the student-run media organization at UC. My guest today is from the, somewhere down south. Um, see, he's in Destin, Florida. He says it's 85 degrees, or is it 65? Either way, it's nice down there. Um, although it is nice back in Cincinnati and here in Georgia. Russ Heldman, my colleague at All Bearcats. And Sports Illustrated joining me today. I mean, Russ, you must be loving life right now. You're in uh, you're in Destin, you know, your your family's all there. I mean, you're living a pretty good life this week. Yeah, great to be with you, Alex. Dive into the matchup against Tulane. Let's do it. All right, so let me first ask you this, because everybody wants to know the answer to this. Do we know who the starting quarterback is going to be tomorrow? We have no idea right now. I think Luke Fick. And Ben Bryant, Evan Prater, really the only guys in right now. To me, uh, given the short week, given the lack of preparation going up against Tulane, who has an extra two days to prepare, I, I don't know how, how you can land and have yourself feeling adequately ready to take on the best team in the conference so far this conference, outside of the Bearcats so far this season, without going all in on one quarterback. And to me, that guy is Evan. He should be the starter regardless if Ben Bryan is healthy or not. I agree with you because like I, I watched the game against Temple and it looked good live when I saw from Evan Prater, but then I re-watched the game and it looked better. Like, Russ, that drive in the third quarter, it might have bridged the third and fourth quarters where Cincinnati um, drove pretty far down. I think they got down to like the one-yard line. Evan Prater had like four straight completions. He had a zinger to Trey Tucker, or it might have been Tyler Scott. He had an RPO to Josh Wiley. He had a run to the 15-yard line, had a pass completion to Jaden Thompson. And I say to myself, this drive explains why Evan Prater should be the starter. You saw so many things within the Bearcats' offense. Um, Overall, we know what Evan Prater did, 12-17, 127, no touchdowns, no picks, 24 rushing yards on nine carries. Russ, what did you see on Saturday from Evan Prater, given the circumstances he was thrusted into? Versatility, added margin for error, just everything that he would give this offense that was kind of trying to find a new identity after the exit. That led, he had posted the highest rushing total by a quarterback in the Bearcats uniform this season and did it 26, I think, rushing yards on the day. He kept them on time, kept the chains moving throughout the afternoon was just good enough to make you think he can be the starter going forward. And, and on the season attempt, that's efficient as efficient gets right there. And to me, he, he really showed against Temple. You're up two scores when you come in. There's no 
proud to, to speak of three things in financial fields. So you don't have any environment, uh, a hostile environment to deal with there. It was a really mission for Evan Prater to, to get his first extended action this season. Obviously, it's coming in spits and spurs, USF, but has not, not played a full half of football at the head quarterback position all year long. And he left, is still raw. Yes, still needs work, work done on his throwing motion, still needs work done on that accuracy. It's work that you would love to see happen in game action in, in real time. No, there is no question about it. There were some things that you would have liked to have seen better. But then again, I will point out to you that the offensive line gave up four sacks with Evan Prater in the game. And that's a Temple defensive line, Russ, that came into the game leading the American in sacks and tackles for loss. So I, I do think you have to come away from that game feeling pretty good about what you saw from Evan Prater. Now, as far as Ben Bryant, I, I think we can agree that, yes, he made some good throws. I mean, the first pass, the first completion of the game, I think, was that RPO to Josh Wiley. But, like, outside of the long touchdown pass to Trey Tucker, I saw a lot of misses to the outside. I saw three passes batted down. Like, what did you see from Ben Bryant on Saturday that, if he's able to play, makes you think that, yes, he can lead the Bearcats to a win in their biggest game of the season? I mean, not a whole lot, to be honest. He's looked like the same Ben Bryant as he's looked the entire season. Him to make, not having the athleticism to make up for those missed throws, and just putting this offense in, in tough, tough spots time and time again. And it's it's not a knock on Ben Bryant as a person, competitor. The guy wants to be out there. He's a beloved teammate, but the ceiling is. We know exactly what he is. We know exactly where he's headed. We know exactly what he's going to it's eight to ten missed throws at this rate and a really really slim margin for under the past month has required the special teams unit to make huge plays just to scrape out wins. not going to have that same issue with evan prater quarterback no i don't think he will and like i just think like the offense flows so much better with evan prater russ you saw this i'm sure if you've rewatched the game but I saw Temple, they couldn't load the box because they knew Evan Prater could escape, whether it be to the right, whether it be to the left. I mean, your offense can do so much more with Evan Prater than with Ben Bryant because especially if you put a compromised quarterback physically in this game on Sunday, Tulane knows exactly what they're going to do. They're going to bring pressure off the edge to collapse the pocket. They know Ben Bryant can't step up. Like some of the plays Evan Prater made – I say to myself, that would have been a five-yard loss if Ben Bryant had been in the game. If, um, if I mean, Evan Prater turned, I mean, a, a second and 10 when he could have been sacked for 10 yards to like a two-yard loss or a five-yard gain. Like, that's what you're getting with Evan Prater, and that's going to allow your running game, which I'm going to get to next year. Do you think the running game sort of recaptured something on Saturday? Well, Ryan Montgomery, a guy that we talked to on all Bearcats last week, talked him about the offensive line it seemed to me like ryan montgomery was like all right we're just going to get the yards we can get here today we're going to go out we're not going to try to make this uh we're not trying to put lipstick on this we're not going to try to put a bunch of makeup on this nitty gritty dirty get as many yards as you can get and get the yards that your offensive line is blocking for you and it was solid 4.1 yards per carry Corey kiner got a little bit more run operate out there with seven prater in the game and it's just you laid it out perfectly, Alex. The addition of the attack changes everything. It changes the whole equation, and it makes the 
defensive lines much less susceptible to bigger gaps, bigger holes, and thinking more in those run plays, those, those kind of speed options where Evan Prater can take the ball or he can give it to Corey Kiner. You're never Bryant just because he doesn't have that athletic skill. Yeah, and that's exactly why I'm saying Evan Prater should start because if you're able to run the football, that's going to take a lot of pressure off of him and it's going to allow him to just kind of like, you know, take what the defense is giving him. Like this Cincinnati team in years past has thrived on its ability to run the football. All right, coming up, we're going to take a look at Tulane. What um, could give the Bearcats some problems? And um, I'm going to ask you a question that I asked on yesterday's show and i want your opinion on that we'll get into all of that after i tell you how this episode of lockdown bearcats is brought to you by bet online betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info stats and stats news and analysis get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports we've got it all at betonline.net and if you love sports podcasts you can find those at bet online as well we're always the fastest an easiest way to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. <clears throat> Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen on this turkey day and every day. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. It's the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Peter Bukowski hosts available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Alex Frank back with you. Russ Heldman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated right here on Lockdown Bearcats. Your team every day, free, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, excuse me. So we know Tulane is really good. We know they've had really a Cinderella season, if you think about it, considering they were 2-10 and 10 just last season. So what about them, Russ, stands out to you? What could give... Uh, what could Tulane give the Bearcats problems with uh, tomorrow afternoon? Might be a really quick game tomorrow, Alex. Two teams that, that passing attacks, Green Wave, run the ball about 41 times a game, average 4.7 yards per case. Spears, uh, the third leading rusher in the in the AAC this season, Michael Pratt, a guy that attempts as a quarterback, another one, one of those dual threat options that can really hurt, hurt you. And the eyes on the quarterback in man coverage or in zone. If they're not playing a lot of zone coverage, and Michael Pratt can scrambles per true media, 6.1 yards per carry on the ground in scramble situation. Big question for me can this defense, with, with what, three chances so far to handle dual threat quarterbacks, can they figure out a game plan on the fourth time? And, and if that question gets answered with a yes, they they figured out Michael Pratt. They hold him to below 30 yards rushing, beat them with his arm, and make Tajay Spears be really good on the ground by himself Then the Bearcats. Well, I think it starts with stopping the run. I mean, Michael Pratt's a good quarterback. He's having a really good season. But I look at his numbers, and I look at the receivers' numbers. I mean, the leading receiver on Tulane is 27 receptions. I mean, that's like a Bearcats team from five years ago. Um, does their passing game worry you in any way? No, it's the defense and the rushing attack that worries me. Them shortening this game, the defense, Bearcats offense, and that, that rushing attack, giving them just enough points to win. I would be 60 points total in this game. 
just given the playing styles of both these teams. So complimentary football, um, I think it's, I, I think you're hitting it here. Complimentary football is going to be a big thing in this game. Now, here's something I, I asked on Wednesday. And I said, is the season a failure if you lose this game? Because if you lose this game tomorrow, you're not playing for a championship. Your home game winning streak comes to an end. Your next game is who knows what bowl game. Um, but will this season, in your eyes, be a failure if the Bearcats come up short tomorrow afternoon? To me, no. I don't think it's going to be a failure. It would be a disappointing season. A failure is like not making a bowl game or like going five and seven or something like that. They still have nine wins on the season. You still have a chance for a 10-win overall campaign under Luke Fickle during his career. I wouldn't say this is a failure. It would be disappointing if they lose that, especially given the fact that, what, you go nine and three, you're not, not AAC champions game, and you have given up 12 weeks, essentially, of Evan Prey at his time in a UC uniform. That's what would be the biggest disappointment is if after all, all of this winning choice to go with the winning quarterback, you end up not in the AC and you've given up all that time to develop Evan Prater in real game action. Obviously he's getting development and practice of the same thing as getting those live in game reps. I, I think that's an interesting point you bring up there because if they do start Ben Bryant because he's healthy, and they lose this game, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to say, well, what if you had started Evan Prater? And I don't think we want to go down that route. I mean, you and I both know, right? You and I both know what Evan Prater can do. We know who Ben Bryant is. Russ, they have 10 and a half games worth of tape. To know that Ben Bryant is simply not a difference maker at quarterback. And I think Evan Prater can be. Like, I said this earlier this week. Think about the great teams in football who have made quarterback changes when things have gone well. New England deciding to start Tom Brady over Drew Bledsoe in the Super Bowl. The Ravens making the change to Lamar Jackson. They were struggling at the time. They're in the playoff game sticking with Lamar Jackson, and that's that move has turned out to be pretty good. The Chiefs trading Alex Smith after a division title winning season and going with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, look how that's turned out. I mean, the Bengals moved on from Andy Dalton, and now look where they are. So, like, great programs, even when things are going well, they have the audacity to say they can make that change, right? Exactly. I mean, Alabama switching from Jalen Hurst to Tagovailoa, another example there in, in college. The most frustrating thing, I think, for Bearcats fans is there wasn't an entrenched starter that Evan Pratt gave the job, or Ben Bryant earned the job. He did earn the job. But they made the choice development of Evan Prater this season in the pursuit of wins and championships. And that starts creeping in. If the wins end at nine and the championships are nowhere even to be played. Okay, but here's the thing. Let's say Evan Prater goes out tomorrow, Bearcats win. Do you, and, and, but Brian's healthy next week. Do you even consider going back to Brian or do you ride the hot hand for the championship game? That's not even a consideration. You go with Evan Prater, you put him in that high-stakes situation next week, and you see if he can do it. At some point where it's not, as I mentioned, set up perfectly for him. 23-3 to win over Temple, you're up to no home field 
advantage to speak up for the Owls. You got to put him in a situation where situation if Ben Bryant doesn't end up playing on Friday, you got to keep putting him in these situations next year in the Big Twelve. All, all of those hostile road environments you're going to be going into, uh, uh, barely filled USF Stadium or barely filled Lincoln Financial, field. going to be tough environments every single week on, on the road next year in the Big Twelve. They're the guy that you're hoping. Hopefully, wanting to be that that transition QB into that conference situation. No question about it, and and I would too. I mean, if Evan Prater goes out and wins this game, national television. I mean, this feels like a championship game. This is a play-in game essentially to go to the championship game. You win tomorrow. You lead the Bearcats to a victory tomorrow, and you you will have earned it. I don't know how you can go back to Ben Bryant for the conference championship game because. What? Evan Prater gives you the ability to run the football. And the likelihood that the Bearcats play Central Florida in the championship game is very high. Russ, what's one thing the Bearcats didn't do against Central Florida the last time? There was no running game. And they couldn't stop yeah. the run. <laughs> they couldn't. Okay. Oh, okay. So UCF is only going to have a, a, a game and a half worth of tape to study. I'll take my chances. And get a Florida team to Cincinnati in December. I'll take my chances on that. No other, no other words to add. Yeah, I like those chances there. All right. That's the good stuff. There's been some other things that have happened this week. Um, five time zones away. But we know what's happened. And it hasn't been all that great. We'll get into that after a word from two of our sponsors. Russ Elman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, back with me right here on Lockdown Bearcats. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Russ, um, so Monday night was fun. The game was, I think, really good. Then Tuesday happened. Um, are you concerned about where this program, this men's basketball program, by the way, I mean, if, I think you all know what we're talking about here, you listening. But, like, the men's basketball program went to Maui. There was promise they played really hard and at times well against an Arizona team that could probably win the national championship. But then they lose to Ohio State. I don't know if they were gassed. I don't know if they were emotionally spent from the night before. But are you concerned about where this program is headed right now? I mean, I'm concerned about where this program's headed this season for sure because it almost feels like the NCAA tournament hopes are slipping by the wayside. And it seems like in the Crosstown shootout is, is tracking to be a must-win game unless they can beat, even if you beat Louisville, like their own four. Who cares? That's not a good non-conference win. They, they have one non-conference left on their schedule, and that's Xavier in the next couple weeks. And this team, the way they're playing right now, I don't know at home, despite how much success they've had against the Musketeers at fifth third arena. So it's a swallow, and I know fans are really frustrated right now. John Brandon left this in ashes. Like, Wes Miller has had one recruiting class that he's been able to bring in so far. Josh already making an impact plays on in early in the season here, and I think that we impact players. This rep's going into the Big 12, but this is at least going to be a three- to four-year rebuild. It just goes to show after that 81-53 to loss to Ohio State, who was solid, a top, but 
not a team that you should ever get blown out by 20 plus, let alone the big in the two years that Wes Miller has been at the helm. That was just an absolute drubbing. It got ugly, not figure out any ball movement. It seemed like the entire team was, was gassed going up against a team in Ohio State or albeit two hours earlier, but still same, same kind of situation. And they, they were more ready to play and had all the matchup advantages on the inside at that stretch four position that's problems all season long. Victor Locken is the only big that's reliable right now. Kalua Zikpe on this team by far. The dude has just not, not integrated himself and he's just still trying to find his way. And it's left the Bearcats with really no answers in the front court. It's frustrating because I did feel like this team would be better this season. And I think that they still can be like, okay. The NKU game was, was just, uh, I mean, that was an abomination. Arizona was promising because I mean, that's, that's a really daggone good Arizona team and the Bearcats. Right. But they hit, they hit 17 threes, Alex, like threes too. It wasn't a lot of offense that was motion, beautiful warrior. You're moving the ball around, getting yeah. wide open corner threes. Like it was a lot of Nylander's Nolly, nine of 14, two of them, best three point shooting night of his career. But the dude was just checking up, chucking up like legs that were going in. That's just not something you, you can rely on. It's big. It's the reason why I was like, Ohio State, because of how much of an anomaly hitting 17 three pointers is for this pool in, their, in the team history and the most since 2006 against Wofford. But, like, the thing to me is, yes, they're very good at hitting threes. But when they're not, that's the issue. And Terry Nelson brought this up on the radio broadcast Tuesday night. Right now, this team doesn't have an alpha dog. Like, they don't have a Gary Clark or a Jaron Cumberland or anybody over the years who can take over a game and make a play. So they're saying, and he said that West, they're still relying on Wes Miller to make a coaching decision. Russ, like, that's not a good spot for this program to be in. Like, Wes Miller is doing all that he can. He's going out there. He's fighting hard on the recruiting trail. And yet, this team on the court, I mean, they can look really good one night. They can play really hard against an Arizona team, but then just get housed by an Ohio State team who I don't think is going to be incredible this year and yet they lose by 28 like just something doesn't seem right about this team it's inconsistent and you're on the verge of you know essentially having to I don't know win out to play for an an NCAA tournament berth yeah that's it's really frustrating the fact fact that like your your transfers are just game. They haven't shown up. Clue is pay. Six for 15 on the season. Ralph Fennessy season. Sure, he has a, a solid amount of assists, 17 assists, which is second on the two. Like, they do not have the guys right now to compete, especially in this tournament, the most loaded tournament, most loaded field it's ever had. And I just, I don't know how the answers come, especially when you have a, Three-point total performance out of Atlanta Julius in that game against Ohio State. Three total points. It's, it's just you're not as like that when two of your four four-star players 
post three, three points total. It's just the bottom. It's not a good performance. Um, when you get, when you give up more offensive rebounds than defensive rebounds, you know you got a problem, right? And that goes to show the front court issues, the rebounding yeah. issues that you and I talked about before. I think red flag on this roster coming in. And we said Kalua Zikpe is a monster on the interior. He's going to have to be that, that guy along with Victor Locke. He's having the best performance, best four-game, five-game opening stretch, six-game opening stretch. But there's nobody else behind him. Kalua Zikpe, a total this season of rebounds, 14 rebounds out of a guy who was supposed to be your main front court leader really well in the preseason scrimmages. And he's just nowhere to be found right now. When you, you have basically one weapon on the inside and Victor Locken, and you can't even play him 30 minutes a game, just not at that point yet, only, only averaging around 19 to 20 minutes. Just not a lot of other answers for the other half of the game in the front court. If you, you don't have front court answers, it's looked against Omari Ballo and Tubelis against Arizona, 52 combined points, and then Zed Key and Bryce Vincebaugh. Two different front court players, but bruisers for 36 points and just shredded the Bearcats defense on the inside. When you that, it's very difficult to win in the sport of college basketball unless you hit threes at the And even in that situation, they needed a 10-0 run, Alex in the final two minutes to cover a nine and a half. Sure, they played hard. It was okay, but they still gave up 101 points to Arizona. 93 points, a, a top three performance from outside was not enough. It's one of the best efficiency showings I've seen from a team playing against Cincinnati. Arizona was 23 of 29 in the second half of that game. I texted you that that was Joe Burrow-esque accuracy, because it was. I mean, everything that they threw at the rim went in. I mean, it, it was like the rim was the Pacific Ocean, and they were just throwing everything in. Um, give them credit. But you're right. Like, this front court is a problem. Like, outside of Victor Locken, you know, Kalua Zekpe has been underwhelming. Odio Guama, you, you don't really know what he does or brings to this team. And then you think about, you know, Sage Tolentino hasn't played yet. Josh Reed's done some good things. I, I mean, the guards are good, but, I mean, they got to be consistent. So, like, when you have issues in your front court and inconsistencies from your guards, that is a major, major sign that this team may, excuse me, may not be as good as we think. No, I mean, Jeremiah Davenport, things are supposed to be more open for him this season, easier for him, for him to be be more efficient 32.8% from field this season. Like just not good enough from, uh, from David to Julius. And that was largely in the first two games. He has completely cooled off. Just don't really have any relying scoring options right now outside of Landers. Nolly when he gets hot from outside. All right, let's end on a high note. Give me your game pick for Friday. I'm going to roll with the Bearcats. Cause I think they're going with Evan Prater. I I like to 20, a little low scoring, bruising knockout affair that the Bearcats get. Joe comes in 
clutch, maybe a back-to-back special teams player of the week stretch for Ryan Coe, arguably the best kicker of the past 10 years for the Bearcats, gets the job done in, in uh, a few times. And Will you be – are you are you going to be back in Cincinnati for the game tomorrow? I will not. I'll be watching here in sunny Florida. Sunny Florida. Now, if the Bearcats win tomorrow, you and I will both be at the championship game next Saturday. So maybe our buddy James Rapine will, will, uh, will go to that game as well. So it'll be nice to finally meet in person. I know we've been uh, doing these interviews all throughout. I mean, really, since going back to, like, July, I feel like. Um but it'd be nice to meet in person if the Bearcats can get the job done tomorrow against Tulane. Russ Heltman's on Twitter at Russ Heltman 11. He's my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. He's in sunny Florida. Russ, tell your grandparents from me and everybody here at Locked On Bearcats and Locked On a very happy 50th anniversary to your grandparents and a very happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. I appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to all the Locked On listeners all the all Bearcats readers, all the Bearcats, a lot of fun building this community over the past year. Can't wait to keep it going. And we'll be back next week. This was a lot of fun, Alex. It's always is. Thank you. And uh, um, if I didn't clarify, happy Thanksgiving to uh, our good buddy, James Rapine, who uh, gives us these opportunities. So uh, definitely very thankful for everything here on Lockdown and Russ and everybody, family, listeners, you name it. Russ, thank you. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Everybody, everybody have a great holiday, just kind of season. We're entering that time. That's the best one. That we are. And there's nothing better than spending it with your family. If you're traveling, please stay safe. Please stay healthy. Enjoy your time with family. It's a very, very special time. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day, especially on this turkey day. For your next listen, make it Lockdown Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Daddy with two N's and an ATI. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, or email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Back tomorrow with a game preview. It will either be me or I will be joined by Maddie Hudak from Tulane's radio broadcast team. Looking very forward to that. Until then, have a very happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your food. Enjoy everything about Turkey Day. And thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats just a small part of your day, really. Um, For Lockdown Bearcats, my name is Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day, and I will be back tomorrow previewing the Bearcats and Tulane for all the marvels as far as playing for a championship right here on Lockdown Bearcats, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.